2: Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley. Coming up on today's episode is PMQ's Unpacked. Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer going out today over the question of migration. Keir Starmer says Rishi Sunak's plan's not working. Rishi Sunak says Keir Starmer hasn't got a plan uh, and repeat. Uh, But it was quite interesting. It was quite interesting. Probably a real sense of uh, uh, the the argument that's going to be played out in politics over the next few years. Uh, In a moment as well, we'll have um, the columnist panel, Ali Burt, Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton. But on the show today, we're also talking a lot about tea. Uh, because some new stats out show that inflation on a cup of tea has gone up loads. Uh, Tea bags, milk, sugar, they're all up. So we've been asking people, uh, what's your best or worst or most interesting cup of tea you've ever had? Uh, And I wasn't sure it was going to work, but we had absolutely loads. Charlotte says, worst tea ever was in Clive Betts' office in Sheffield when I was a political reporter. Clive's the Labour MP. Clive's a lovely man and his staff are great too, but this is unconscionably bad. Bags saw the water for no more than a millisecond and then flooded with milk. Obviously, I drank it though. Uh, uh, Tim says, I'm a massive tea nerd. I have over 60 types of tea from normal Earl Grey to ones that taste like a mojito, mince pie or cream egg. Feel free to pop round for something exotic. Uh, This is Gary, said, as a junior diplomat, I was asked to check whether Kofi and Nan wanted tea or coffee. Of course I said, coffee, coffee. Uh, And then someone else uh, gave a cup of tea to uh, Jason Donovan and said, uh, this is especially for you. And uh, he looked at me with contempt, quite right, says Greg. Anyway, if you ever want to get in touch with us, we've now got our own email address, so it's loads easier. You can email me, matt at times.radio. Matt at times.radio. So if you've got complaints about the show, if you've got ideas for the show, just get in touch. Matt at times.radio. Right, uh, now it's time for this. The Columnists with Alibert, Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton on Times Radio. See, I've got my cup of tea. Uh, no hot drinks, though, for... Uh, Robert Crampton's got his water. Morning, Roberts. Morning, Matt. I see it. And Alice Thompson's got nothing.
3: Nothing. Nothing clearly. at all. Morning.
2: So go on, then. We're talking about tea, because the price of tea's going up. People have been sharing their tea stories. Have either of you got a cup of tea story?
3: I think my best tea story is probably when I had to interview William Hague when he'd just become leader of Excellent. the opposition for uh, the Tories. <laughs> uh, well, and I went yeah, up I'm to Hague. Yorkshire. Good, good cup of Yorkshire tea. Yeah. Anyway, he'd obviously never made tea before. And so when I asked for a cup of tea... <laughs> Uh, he looked totally baffled, went into the kitchen, came back with some mint tea that may have been Fionn's, I think, and yeah. he put milk in it. <laughs> and I remember then uh, saying to him, I don't think you've ever made a cup of tea before. And he then, um, we, I wrote up the interview, and the aides rang up and said, I'm really sorry, but do you think you could pull the bit about you not being able to make a cup of tea? But it was the intro.
4: And it stayed in, of course. It stayed in. Quite right, too. Quite right, too. Robert? Another celebrity story. Go I on. interviewed the American actress, Andy McDowell, when she did four weddings and a funeral, so you see how long ago that was. Yeah. And during the interview, somebody brought in uh, a cup of tea, a pot of tea for her, and she didn't offer me one. <gasps> and when I tell that story to British audiences, there's an audible gasp yeah. of horror. So obviously, I just completely slaughtered her in the uh, in the. You did. In mm-hmm. the, yeah. Well, she wasn't Good very test. nice anyway. She wasn't
2: very nice.
4: Not really. No. Uh, and uh, but that was the that was the basis of it really. Not offering me a cup of tea. I mean, that's just wrong. It's a good,
2: it's a good, it's a good test of a person, though, isn't it? Mm, I really, think so. yeah. Somebody else actually sent in another. Sent, sent in a, I was just trying to find it about the. What about oh, your Ross Kemp story? Oh yeah, that's my wife's. Well, let me hang on. Let me share. <laughs> so my wife. Uh, we used to work at the Taunton Times. Well, we worked at the Taunton Times when the Taunton Times launched, and Ross Kemp obviously was hired to open it because who do you want to open yeah. a newspaper office? Ross Kemp, off of Eastenders, yeah. and she made tea for Ross Kemp in a mug. And he was a lovely man, and then a few weeks later, someone
4: broke oh, the no. mug that Ross Kemp had drunk out of. She sure was very happy. Oh,
3: I thought Probably you meant... Probably good it. for
4: you. I thought you meant they broke it deliberately. You know, like when the American president drinks from something, they have to smash the glass So, they, so that
2: nobody can clone so Ross nobody Kemp. Can get
4: the, nobody get the fingerprints. I thought that, yeah, it was like... Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I think so too.
2: I think we should look into that. Yeah. Uh, 8722, <laughs> start message of the Times. You can email me, matt at times.ready, if you've got any tea stories. Uh, let's move on and talk mm-hmm. about more serious matters, like... Matt Hancock. Yeah, mm-hmm. And actually also Boris Johnson. So Matt Hancock has gone slightly under the radar of this. Matt Hancock's yeah. obviously going off to Australia, uh, uh-huh. earning a lot of money. He's going to give a donation to charity. Boris Johnson, on the other hand, is going to Singapore to speak at a blockchain conference. I don't really know what blockchain no. is. It sounds
3: like something to do with toilets, doesn't it? That's it my crypto. <laughs> is it a Crypto thing. Yeah, right. maybe it's crypto. Cyber What
2: should former former politicians, former frontline politicians do, Alice?
3: Well, I think I'm a celebrity. Actually, has taken off uh, the heat from the government because everyone's obsessed now by Matt Hancock. So maybe he did it for them, or maybe Gina <laughs> just had enough of having he's him a, hanging around the house.
2: He's a, he's
4: a sort of undercover agent for the government. Yeah, he I is think work he could for be. It's the most mm. useful thing he could do.
3: Well, it is rather extraordinary, he's, isn't it?
4: The problem is that they're not former politicians. They're both sitting in That is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, when you're not a politician anymore, you can go off and earn as much money by whatever means necessary. I suppose. But they're both MPs. Uh Boris has spent a good chunk of the autumn in in Dominican Republic, I think. And now he's off to Singapore. And uh Matt Hancock's going. I mean, he's he's going, he could be there for three weeks if he does well. So yeah. the people of Suffolk, is it? Some, yeah. some one of the Suffolk constituency are gonna be unrepresented for that time. He's right, they're right to have withdrawn the whip. What really annoys me about it though is this merely mad explanation that he's yeah. sort of taking He's taking democracy yeah. to the masses, and that's his. Whole, he's got this Which is the noble nonsense purpose. that Nadine Doris said? Yes, yeah, it's, it's like there's some noble purpose. He's going to get the money and to and to increase his profile, profile. and his brand and get his up his after dinner rate.
3: And we yeah. then have to watch him in the shower.
4: Yeah, we don't have to. No, I don't think. I <laughs> mean, we will. I'm not sure I will. I can't. I think
3: the royals are better actually to go on it. So I think Tyndall. I think that that. In a funny way, I think they're more suited to it, aren't well, they?
2: I, actually, I suppose the thing is, if you're you know, Chris Moyles or Mike Tindall, mm. yeah. you must be thinking, well, this is great, because like, I'm not going to be the one that everyone ends up hating. No. As long as you're just like the nice chap
4: who rolls his eyes every time Matt yeah. Hancock tells another story. And to, Mike Tindall isn't a nice I've interviewed him as Clang. well. Clang. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a nice man. He's a really nice man. But the thing yeah. is, I've
2: interviewed Matt Hancock a lot, and I've known him for a long time, yeah. and he is a bit of a wally. Yeah. But he's now this like national hate I do not I don't yeah. I'm, I'm not sure he really understands no, quite he how he I don't get think he's Unpopular, got that, has he? Has he? No. I think
3: that's the problem. I think he doesn't realise that he's become this hate figure to so many people. And he, he's very thin skinned in some ways, as both you and I know that he yeah, will yeah. complain if he thinks you've he, um, he won't speak be to be me. mean to, to him to in any way. Like
2: I, I, I did uh, a spoof column about his diaries. Yeah, and about his polling I did yeah, but poli- poli- and yeah. he he got very cross,
4: said it was sexist. They don't get it. We should to be clear it wasn't. They all think that the whole party gate breaking yeah. the rules thing has gone away because yeah. of what's come because of what's come since, but it hasn't. Yeah, there's yeah. real anger about it still. And also,
2: it's all been sort of locked in. Yeah. Like that's the defining memory of people. Of like Matt Hancock was the guy. The reason he became yeah. a household mm. name is because he was on the telly every night saying "Stay at home." Yes. And then there's that. Image, hold on to your breakfast yeah. of him and Gina up against the door. Yes, and it's like well, you were literally doing that. Yes. you broke yes. the rules.
3: Spad yes. you like Gina? That's what I like. And yeah. I, I think. I mean, it's extraordinary what to me that he's also writing a book and he's going to make money out of that. So, what I think is difficult. hasn't he said he's going to? Do, this is the thing he keeps. So, doing well, we don't know how he gets, much he's donating for either donation, of them. Yeah, so, yeah. a donation could be five pounds, or it could be the whole thing. But if it's the whole yeah. thing, you feel he would have said, "I'm going to donate yeah. all the proceeds."
4: And this is why people have lost respect for politicians. It's not. It's yeah. not complicated. Yeah. They just—they don't need to take their message to the masses. They need to do their job and do and and, and run things efficiently for a while. So we don't have, you know, what we will be talking about in a minute. We don't have our sea polluted by raw sewage and that kind of thing. And people would respect them a bit more. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> and,
2: it, and it's not like he needs to raise his profile. He's not an obscure, no. you know, individual. Everyone knows who he is. He's taken his message to the masses, and everyone said we don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Well, let's move on then, mm-hmm. and let's. Uh, from the jungle to the countryside. she you say, well, that's the point? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's really good. Mm. Uh, your column today, uh, Alice. So Therese Coffey, <laughs> uh, her brief period as health secretary was all about ABCD. And you've got a new ABCD for her. Uh, as environment secretary.
3: Yes, well, I was talking about because the first um, <coughs> time she went on the radio, having become environment secretary, she couldn't really explain or articulate what she would personally do to save the planet, and she kept talking about cups and permanent cups, and no one could really understand what she was saying. <laughs> cups of tea.
2: All comes back to tea. Exactly.
3: All comes back to tea. So actually, it was just trying to give us some advice about you know <laughs> what she needs to do as an environment secretary because it isn't going to be about permanent cups. It's about much more. You know, we've got the farming, mm. you've got biodiversity. You've so let's co- do your. This is
2: your. This is your ABCD. Mm. Agriculture, biodiversity climate change and drains
3: yeah well drains was sewage but it had to be D so. yeah, yeah nobody
2: works but it does work and I think that you know <laughs> the sewage is a
3: big issue and she hasn't even started to look at that and yeah. you know since August when they changed the rules they have been pumping out sewage yeah. into the sea and into the rivers and lakes and we're, and we're stuck with it really and everyone's now obsessed by wild swimming but it's also it's the fish it's the biodiversity in the, you know, the rivers and, and there's a particular beach in St Agnes in Cornwall mm. where it just went brown overnight yeah, at yeah. half term
2: yeah. And actually, Robert, the thing that uh, I think sometimes politicians forget, a bit like the party gate thing, is still yeah. locked in as people's minds. Yeah. The sewage thing has gained a, a sort of a
4: currency with the public, which I just don't think people in Westminster have caught up with. No, they don't. Caught up they they don't. I mean, people, uh, people it's very fundamental. It's absolutely fundamental. You do not want to go to a beauty spot and see the water brown yeah, and with the unspeakable stuff. Floating yeah. in it, and you do think twenty first century rich country well, that's we a thing, as to a be metaphor. Able, yes, we ought to be able to, to to. I remember going when people first started going to Europe in the seventies, and it was all oh, don't drink the water, or it's yeah, all yeah. the French, you know, lavatories a bit dodgy, and all the rest of it. And we're now that's us yeah. in, 20, in 2022. Uh beggars belief. And 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 if people think that's a, it's a kind of just about middle class wild swimmers or whatever, then they're completely wrong. It's 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 everybody. Yeah, it's nobody. People, that's the sort of reason that that we elect people to, to not have problems like that.
2: It'll be interesting to see how Therese Coffee approaches it because, yeah. you know, it's clearly a demotion from Health Secretary and Deputy Prime Minister to Environment Secretary. But when Michael Gove did it, he sort of turned it into this sort of one man power policy powerhouse. He
3: elevated it did yeah. because he did talk about the environment a lot. Yeah. And he did change it and he got the farmers on his side. Yeah, and actually know. he was quite cohesive in the department. So he did talk about what they were going to do next, how they were going to pay farmers. He was very good on rewilding. Yeah. He sort of bought all sides Cotton buds, together. Cotton buds. All that yeah. all that stuff. He know. he got, you know, very involved. And you could say for the younger generation, Drey's coffee could become a real hit for them.
4: Well, wait and see how that know, the cigars a bit. That's
3: the, the dodgy <laughs> bit. It's going to be the cigars She's and got the
4: karaoke. It sort of Anne Whittacombe kind of vibe, hasn't she? Which I don't know whether that's good or bad. Anne Whittacombe only became popular after she oh, left and was stuck. Wait, on, wait, wait on, Strictly. on Strictly. Maybe that's Strictly. what
2: Treason is. That's what to do. Yeah. Well, uh,
4: from environment, food and world affairs to food,
2: Robert. Yeah. £31 for a tin of tuna.
4: Yeah, I went to uh, a new restaurant in, uh, well, it's, it's opening next week uh, in Mayfair. Uh, which is serving a usual array of stuff, but it's also doing tinned fish. Uh, so a tin of tuna, a tin of mackerel, sort of thing that you normally keep in the understairs cupboard for an emergency with a bit of pasta is now uh, a delicacy. And
2: the tin comes out there was, on the, the plate? Yes.
4: Or you is, just eat it out of the tin? Uh, no, it's de-tinned. Oh, it is de-tinned. Oh, hang on. No, I ate, I ate mine out of the tin. Yeah, no, I think it could <laughs> be. I think it could be either. I think the choice is yours for 31 quid. Uh, that's only the most expensive one. There's obviously more reasonably priced ones, but not, not that yeah. reasonable. I mean, considering that tin and tuna in Sainsbury's costs, what, £1.60? What are you, a fella tuna? Yeah. Uh, is, it much, is it 31 times better? It's
2: a bit like wine. No, I can no, see the difference between a £2 pound
4: bottle and a £10. Well, exactly. I meant, I made the analogy to wine. Mm. Uh, my cousin's in the wine business, and he brought some wine. We did a blind tasting once, and, the, yeah, the 50 quid one is an awful lot better than the 10 quid one, but the 500 quid one is not 10 times better yeah. 50-quid yeah, yeah, yeah. one. So it's diminishing returns. So no, it's not 15 or 30 times better than a normal tin of tuna. But it's, you know, I guess, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. a restaurant, you're paying for something else as well. So good luck to them if they can part people from their money in, uh, for that, then that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of tin yeah. fish, so I'm pleased that tin fish are now fashionable. <laughs> it's now back. Yeah.
2: Robert Crampton, Alice Thompson Then, of course, you can read them both in the Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Box.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
3: Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. You're listening
2: to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this. PMQs Unpacked on Times Radio.
0: Unpacking the politics and cutting through the crossfire.
2: Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Patrick Maguire. Yeah, very good afternoon to you. It is PMQs Unpacked. Patrick Maguire is here, Redbox editor. How are you? I'm very well, Matt. Nice I've to recover- have you. Th- well, I've recovered from my stint in your big chair, and, and it was a very, it was a very strong stint. It was too. I listened actually to PMQs on Pat last week.
1: Yeah, I'd say it was uh, slightly less zany than our encounters. <laughs> Me and Tim. Tim Shipman does fewer
2: impressions. Yeah, he does. He does. Well, it turned out um,
1: he's a serious man for serious times.
2: But I have to say, and I was because uh, I was listening. To him, I was walking through the streets of London on the way to an awards lunch, which I don't need to get bogged down <laughs> in because clearly it didn't win anything. Um, they were both quite strong, I thought. Keir Starmer was quite punching his questions and Rishi Sunak was quite punching in his responses. He was. It was a Rishi Sunak we've seldom seen before. Rishi Sunak in attack
1: mode. The last time we saw Rishi Sunak in attack mode was during that disastrous uh, BBC debate in Stoke-on-Trent during the first leadership campaign. Of yeah. It didn't go well for him. It's not a register that really suits him. But I think he succeeded in uniting the party behind him. It'd be interesting to see whether he takes the same gambit this time Given how tumultuous the past week has been, I would imagine Keir Starmer is probably going to go on uh, to Suella Bravman and the Home Office yeah. again. And there's plenty to go into on As the, he did last week. Uh,
2: yeah, exactly. Um, one interesting thing, obviously, we've got the news this morning. Rishi Sunak is going to COP27, having been, it's been a slight hokey-kokey. He was, and then he wasn't, then he was, then he wasn't, and then Boris Johnson was, and now he is as well. I was a bit surprised he didn't like wait for Keir Starmer to raise it. And then, you know, there's nothing better at PMQs than someone standing up and saying, it's an absolute disgrace. What Will you go to COP27? You just stand up and say yes and then sit down. Yes, and, you,
1: and then Keir Starmer five like, questions. Five questions on it all have to be torn up. And, you know, a uh, series of global warming-related one-liners yeah. straight on the cutting room Whereas floor.
2: instead, Keir Starmer could recast what he was going to say and say that, you know, he's a flip-flopper, he can't make up his mind, he's following Boris Johnson around the world.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether as well. I, I haven't spoken to anyone in Keir Starmer's inner circle uh, this morning, negligently. Um, <laughs> but last week, we had Rishi Sunak getting quite close to the territory where you might be reasonably accused of misleading the House over what he knew and when over Sweller Bradman. So I imagine Keir Starmer, forensic as he is, yeah, uh, I think everyone can agree on that and his parliamentary performances might try and pin Rishi Sunak down on some specifics. But I'm looking forward to being Proven wrong in the next two minutes.
2: Because the interesting thing with that was, KS, uh, Rishi Sunak said last week uh, that Suella Braverman had raised the issue of accidentally sending an email to someone she shouldn't have done. And the point was she did, but by that point, everyone knew about it. The Chief Whip knew about it. The Downing Street knew about it. Liz Truss knew about it.
1: And, and the wor- the wording, that sort of wording, does lead one to infer that it was a proactive thing on uh, Suella Braverman's part, rather than a post-hoc well, obviously, if you're going to reappoint me Home Secretary, we should probably have a brief chat about that massive controversy that got me sat from this job six days ago. Yeah. Uh,
2: well, uh, the other thing, of course, we probably have to brace ourselves for is some Matt Hancock jokes. Yes. I mean, are there any left Am that us. haven't been done? No, I don't, yet? I
1: don't think. I don't think there are. <laughs> Genuinely, I don't think there are. I didn't even try in Redbox this morning <coughs> because it's pointless.
2: Yeah. We 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 did a little bit earlier. Now I've drawn a line under it. Uh, so uh, here we are. That is uh, PMQs unpacked on Times Radio, listening along on the radio. Don't forget, you can watch along on uh, on the YouTubes. Uh, hello from Penge, says Mark. Uh, Paul is in Lincolnshire. It's wet and windy in Yorkshire, says Roy. Uh, Rosie uh, says his wishes trip to Egypt is copping out from koela That's an interesting an interesting point. There. Hello from Portsmouth. Hi from Lithuania, says Martin. Pennsylvania, you're all listening. In. Here we go. Isle of Wight, uh, says Benjamin. Right. Uh, question number one, then. Let's go live to the House of Commons. This is Keir Starmer.
5: Thank you, Mr Speaker. His Home Secretary says the asylum system is broken. Yeah. Who broke it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: A short, sharp question from Keir
0: Well Mr Speaker, let's let's just we, we can look at the record on migration policy. Let's look at it. What did what did What what did we on this side of the House do? We gave the British people a referendum on Brexit. We, we We delivered Brexit. We ended the free movement of people, Mr Speaker. That's our record on migration policy. It's not something the Honourable Gentleman supported. He opposed it at every turn, and it's not what the British people want.
2: Oh, it's not a slightly peculiar answer. Uh above is on the front bench, a few she's out of shot. Although the camera does keep helpfully healthy. She was she was barricading Keir Starmer barricing there, barricading Keir Starmer across the, uh, across the Let's look at our record, and you just said we we done Brexit. We we did Brexit. I did Brexit. He might reasonably yeah. say, having back Brexit from uh, from the
1: start, despite pressure from his superiors in 2016. It's a it's a question that rather ignores the reality of the situation. It's rather an answer that rather ignores the yeah. the reality of the situation because despite people having voted for Brexit. And the polling on this is quite interesting, right? You're seeing an uptick in... I think you're seeing an uptick yeah. in concerns about migration having fallen sharply... Really sharp. ..since 2016, because people thought, well, this is resolved now. We've taken back control. We've taken back
2: control. And now... And there is a real risk, isn't there, that when the government... And I thought it was a smart question from Keir Starmer. When the government says the thing is broken and you've been in power for, for 12, 12 years, years... And presumably by this point, you've gone through all of your ideas about how you might fix it. And so, uh, Keir, uh, Rishi Sunak saying he's happy to stand by his record. His record is a broken asylum system, and taking back control hasn't worked. Yeah, and, and actually, there is uh, there is so, some arguments. You start talking about Dublin and the when we were in the EU, the ability to send people back to the country they come from was actually easier. Uh, far, you know, but it's hard to argue that Brexit has helped the situation. And some people might say it's made it worse. Yes, exactly. And
1: it'd be interesting to see where Keir Starmer goes next, and indeed where Rishi Sunak goes next. I, I can't imagine it'd be long before we get reference to. Lefty lawyers, perhaps, like a certain QC, Casey, rather,
2: who lives in Kansas Town. And there's also a, just, a thing i slightly struck by, and I was struck by it last week as well with Rishi Sunak. He does this sort of, like, laughing, Haha, let's take a look at our record. And last week, he was getting them to sort of cheer. The, when uh, Keir Stummer asked him about um, uh, the, the tape of him saying he was going to cut money from Labour areas and mm. give it to Torios. And he said, well, oh, he, I know he doesn't get out of North London, but we've got poor areas in the countryside. And they all went, hooray! And we've got poor areas in the north. And all right. Like, as if, to, again, you know, you've been in government for a long time. It's, it's a
1: yeah, sort of shades of tiz was about his delivery. Yeah.
2: But anyway, let's let's see if uh, we're, we're early days here, early days here. Let us know how you think it's going. Post a comment on, uh, on the YouTube channel. Let's go back to the House of Commons then. It's question two from Keir Starmer.
5: No one wants open borders on this side of the house. They've lost control of the borders on their side of the house. Mr. Speaker, four, four Prime Ministers in five years, and it's the same old, same old, he stands there and tries to pass the blame. If the asylum system is broken and his lot have been in power for 12 years, how can it be anyone's fault
0: but theirs? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Speaker, people rightly want to see us getting a grip of migration in our borders. But look, let's look at the record. Let's look at the record. The right honourable gentleman, he voted against the nationality and borders bill. He said he, he said he would scrap the Rwanda partnership. He opposed the ending of free movement of people. Look, border control, border control is a serious, complex issue. But not only does a party opposite not have a plan, they have opposed every single measure we have taken to solve the problem. You can't attack a plan if you don't have a plan.
1: Well, you can. The interesting thing <laughs> about this exchange is that Rishi Rish Sunak like a rather successive Conservative governments have got the asylum system into a Position where Labour can outflank them from the right. Yeah. Whether they can do so successfully, if the rejoinder from Rishi Sunak is, well, Labour have voted against every attempt we've made to yeah. toughen up our borders, is a
2: moot point and will come out in the wash of an election campaign. And although there's an argument for saying, I mean, we'll see what Keir Starmer was how are you respond to say? It's like, well, it's not worked. Mm. Yeah. We voted against your plan and they haven't worked. And, you know, there could be an argument about why they haven't worked. But on the face of it, you said, we well, you voted against our plans. Well, they're not working. So, you know, the Rwanda policy isn't working in as much as it's not deterring people and nobody's been sent to Rwanda. But it's a very stark illustration of the scale of the political
1: problem the government is facing here, that the Labour Party, which isn't especially comfortable talking about this, When you speak to shadow cabinet ministers in weaker moments and ask them who are the low wattage members of your shadow cabinet, who isn't making an impact, names we'll have heard lots over the past two years have been Yvette Cooper, the shadow home secretary, her predecessor, Nick Thomas-Simmons, was also considered not to have delivered in that brief or really landed a blow on Priti Patel, hence his being shuffled to international trade last year. And despite all of that, despite all of that and the tensions in the grassroots and uh, Labour's caution on these big-ticket issues beyond saying they're pro-Brexit now, they are still able to, to
2: outflank the Conservative Party from the right, at it, least rhetorically. It's probably a conversation. There's something really interesting about Yvette Cooper because she, she was Shadow Home Secretary for four years up against Theresa May mm. and did such a good job of demolishing Theresa May's reputation that she went on to become Prime Minister. Yeah. That, that Labour's ability to 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 attack on, uh, on home affairs in a way that David Davis, for instance, when he was Shadow Home Secretary, got through countless home secretaries by making the news and driving the story instead of sort of commenting on it in a way that the it might be that this this particular issue the migration thing is so insoluble that all you can really do is sort of touch and comment on it well one of one of the things interesting about which is in like, is he's owning the record He says he's saying let's talk about our record in a way that that is a departure from Liz Truss
1: yes definitely you know it's not it's not year zero it's yeah.
2: And that's the only thing you
1: can do if you're in the business of party unity. I think.
2: Yeah. Uh, one thing we should point out: if you're watching along on YouTube, you'll know this. Uh, but uh, if you're uh, if you're listening in, um, lots of MPs are wearing um, uh, corn, uh, <laughs> wheat, a wheat pit. It's like a sheaf of wheat on their uh, on the lapel. Uh, Richie Sinat doesn't appear to have one on, but everyone else seems to have one on. Um, it's it's part of NFU's back British farming day apparently. Uh, the iconic wheat sheep badge is representative of the celebratory spirit of back British Farming Day. It's made from uh, wheat sourced from farms in Shropshire and wool from Devon's blue-faced Leicester sheep, mm. which has been spun and, spun and dyed blue and red. Fascinating. The, the, <laughs> the, the,
1: farmers, the farmers of the Yorkshire Dales will not forgive Rishi Sunak for the, his display of treachery here, will they?
2: His no. neighbours in uh, North Yorkshire. Uh, Anyway, we'll go back to the House of governors then, uh, see if you can spot who is and isn't wearing a sheaf of wheat. Uh, It's uh, question number three on PMQ's Unpacked.
5: We voted against it because we said it wouldn't work, and it hasn't worked. He he says he's getting a grip, he's got a plan. So let's have a look at that plan. The Rwanda deal was launched in April. It cost the taxpayer £140 million and rising. The number of people deported to Rwanda is zero. Since then, 30,000 people have crossed the Channel in small bloats. It's not working, is it? He hasn't got a grip. Prime yeah. hey,
0: Minister. Mr Speaker, we on this side of the House are clear that we want to defend our borders. When the Shadow Home Secretary this weekend was asked, she couldn't answer a simple question if the party opposite was in favour of higher or lower migration. It's that simple. The Home Secretary and I, when it comes to tackling our migration, reducing migration, we are on the same page. That party's policy, it's a blank page, Mr Speaker.
2: There's an emerging sort of theme to this, and I know there's a bit of this last week as well. Uh, Keir Starmer trying to pin on Rishi Sunak. Nothing's working, you've lost your grip. Rishi Sunak's response being, well, you don't have a plan.
1: Yes, you don't have a plan, and that's because your instincts are... Uh... You're you're concealing your real instincts, which are those of toast North London liberals, um, and I think you can detect the influence of Michael Gove back in these PMQs prep sessions because those attack lines are very sharp and uh, you know internally consistent in a way uh, Liz Truss's uh, definitely weren't, and in, in a way that Boris Johnson's
2: were clearly authored by Boris Johnson. It's interesting though, uh, Keir Starmer not really asking proper questions. That last one was it's not working, is it? He's got to get a grip. And but now into but well, that's question three. There's quite a lot of specific detail he could be going on. Whether it is, uh, did Swella Barman sign off on hotels? When did she start doing it? Why is it only happening now? Or you could go on the emails. Did he mislead the house last week? You know they've got the they managed to get rid of Bob, Boris Johnson over allegations he misled the house. Does Rishi Sunak, what he said last week, match what Swella Barman has admitted since? It's just, you know, so far it's just been sort of generic soundbites. You're rubbish, and then he says, no, we're not. Which
1: is it's an interesting question. What is more effective if Labour wants to land and solidify the message that this government is chaotic, is in disarray, it's feckless and incompetent, to use the language Tony Blair used about a Conservative government in a similar stage of its life in the in the mid-90s? Is it by trying to stitch Suella Bravman and Rishi Sunak up with parliamentary questions like the ones you just mentioned, where you can potentially get them on a technicality and get someone to potentially mislead the House or expose new detail? Or is it relentlessly plugging away at the same message and trying to get that to stick in the minds of the public? I think Labour in the past six to eight to 12 months have made a decision that actually they need to hone a message.
2: Yeah, and, and just keep hammering away at it. And keep hammering away at it. And then when a, a clip is taken for the news, it doesn't matter which one it is because it's all got the same messaging. Uh, let's go back then. You're listening to Matt Shirley on Times Radio with Patrick McGrath, Times Red Box editor. It's PMQ's Unpacked. Go back to the House of Commons. Question four from Keir Starmer.
5: Mr Speaker, blame others, deflect, attack on something else. So much the new age of accountability. Of all the people who arrived in small boats last year, how many asylum claims
0: have been processed? Uh, Prime Minister! uh, Mr Speaker, uh, we do need... uh, We do need... uh, uh, Mr Speaker, not enough is the answer, very straightforwardly. Not enough. And that's what we're going to fix. But the, Honour- the honourable gentleman raises this question what are we doing? We've increased the number of processing officials by eighty per cent. We are putting an extra five hundred more by next March. But if he really, if he really was serious about fixing this problem, then he would acknowledge that we do need to tackle the issue of people putting spurious, spurious claims. Spurious, repeated, last-minute claims to frustrate the process. That's how we'll tackle the system. So why, then, did he vote against the Nationality and Borders Act, which deals with it?
2: Well, there we are. A more more specific technical question from Keir Starmer, having sort of laid the the politics on it. How many asylum claims have been processed for those who arrived in boats last year? I think it's fair to say Rishi Sunak doesn't know. Rishi Sunak doesn't know, and in any case, the number will be much, much bigger Sorry,
1: much much smaller yeah. uh, than the Conservative Party would like, um, but then the rejoinder from Rishi Sinckler is, well, what are you going to do about it? Labour is now in that territory. We're yeah, now yeah, in the yeah. position where Labour cannot rest on a thirty-something yeah. point poll lead, or it, it's you know diminishing with every Richie as Prime Minister, but still in majority territory. And this is why it's quite a tricky situation. It's yeah. six of one, and half a dozen of the, of the other for the Labour Party, isn't it? You know, there well, are- it was
2: interesting because I spoke to James Daly earlier, Conservative MP, member of the Home Affairs uh, Select Committee, is a Paul Tursella Barman and made this point to him. He was complaining about £50 million being spent on hotels. Well, the answer is, actually, you're going to have to spend more money. You need to recruit more people to process these claims. And then over time, you'll bring down the number of people uh, who are in hotels. Whereas if you're, it seems to have been the case with Salah Bravman, if your starting point is to just be cross about spending money on hotels and you think the solution is to cut the amount of money on hotels, you just end up with loads of people in Manston. They're still not being processed. And it's not tackling the problem.
1: Yes, exactly, and which is why the internal politics of this are like quite difficult. Because you saw this from Jonathan Gullis, the Tory MP for Stoke North, the other day, on uh, on on a broadcast news uh, outlet, complaining about asylum uh, uh, seekers being housed in a hotel in his constituency, and others are making similar complaints. Nobody, no Conservative MP wants that in their constituency. But as you say, short of proposing an alternative solution that involves spending money on something else, yeah you know, that sort of hot-headed rhetoric isn't going to
2: yeah, solve anything. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see... It. Well, I suppose the, the main point is at the moment, uh, you're right, Keir Starmer's doing well in the polls, but if, if the government doesn't have a plan that works, asking Keir Starmer to come up with a plan, it, you know, it's a sort of... They're both both as bad as one another, I suppose, to some extent. Except one's been. In but obviously, the time, obviously, yes. the,
1: the point of this, the point it's not leader of the opposition's questions, as Lindsay yeah, yeah, Hoyle would yeah, often yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, Labour are now in the political territory, as on the economy. It has changed, as on the economy, right? Yeah. They they cannot afford because then, you know, you'll get into an election campaign, and they'll be unsteady on their feet on these very questions.
2: Yeah. Um So they need bef- before, well before an election campaign, need to at least have something to say. And it was interesting the point that uh, Rishi Sunak was making. I think it might have been on Times Radio on Sunday that Yvette Cooper was on with Adam and Kate and was asked about, do you want immigration to be higher or lower? She just couldn't answer that question. She talked about, well, what we want is a different system and it it's a points-based system. Well, 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 I, I
1: wonder, what, you know, Rishi Sunak answered that question in the same way that, you know, every Tory leadership candidate swore fealty to the Rwanda plan. That was one of the yeah. great articles of faith in the first leadership election of this year. If you were to ask ministers, do you want immigration to be higher or lower? I think most of them privately would say, well, we actually
2: need to move away from that binary way
1: of yeah, looking yeah, at it yeah. because
2: sec- you know, sector
0: and by actually, sector...
2: The whole point of that, the uh, the Suella Bravman email that she sent to somebody who wasn't John Hayes' secretary, <laughs> was that was about a written ministerial statement which, under Liz Truss's plan, was about increasing the number of people coming into the country for for low-skilled work and basically to bump up the OBR numbers for growth. Yeah, and ministers in every other department will say, well, hang on, I'd actually like more... For instance, Spanish broadband
1: engineers is yeah. one Nadine Dorries had a beer in on it over. Yeah. And then you, as a part of the health, want some more doctors. Yes, exactly. As part of
2: the chancellor, want some more people to build the. And Sona well Brav- yeah. Bradman,
1: hence why she's a darling of the right. Of the party has become Whitehall's doctor. No, yeah. on that sort of thing, but it's not necessarily a sustainable way of managing the country's uh, immigration system. Like other ministers would tell you.
2: Uh, there we are. Uh, well, let's go back then to uh, the House of Commons. Let's see if uh, Keir Star- Let's see if Keir Starmer knows the answer. I suspect he might do to his question of how many asylum claims have been processed for those who arrived in boats last year. This is question number five from Keir Starmer.
5: Mr Speaker, he says says, not enough. You can say that again. It's 4%. 4% of people arriving in small boats last year had their asylum claim processed. According to the bookies, the Home Secretary has a better chance of becoming the next Tory leader than she has of processing an asylum claim in a year. (laughs) and he talks about numbers, they are only taking half the number of asylum decisions that they used to. That is why the system is broken. 4,000 people at the Manston Air Force Base, massively overcrowded, all sorts of diseases breaking out. So, did the Home Secretary receive legal advice that she should move people out? Yes or no?
0: Prime Minister. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, The right honourable gentleman is very fond of reminding us that he used to be the former director of public prosecutions. So he knows the government's policy on commenting on legal advice. But what I can say is the significant action that the Home Secretary has taken to fix the issue. Since September, 30 more hotels with 4,500 new beds, appointing a senior general to control the situation at Manston, and indeed, increasing the number of staff there by almost a half, Mr Speaker. These are significant steps to demonstrate that we are getting a grip of this system. But this is a serious and escalating problem. We will make sure that we control our borders and we will always do it fairly and compassionately because that's the right thing. Oh,
2: there's part of me that thinks that Michigan needs to calm down. That, that voice—he can't sustain that voice, can he?
1: I don't think. I also don't think it necessarily suits him.
2: Yeah. This register, although, what else can he do? But then, it, to, to sort of round it all off, we're getting tough. Uh, we brought the generals in. It's all part of a fair and passionate and friendly and cozy immigration policy.
1: Well, look, he's got a vociferous parliamentary coalition to manage, and he's got a. Rapidly disintegrating electoral coalition to manage, and I think you that is reflected in some of the rest the sort of discordant rhetoric he's using there, isn't it? Um, it's both fair and compassionate and incredibly tough. <laughs> so, every everyone from Lee Anderson to the yeah. uh to the banker's shops at Waitrose in Isha and Walton on a Saturday morning for uh you know some quinoa and a copy of the Saturday Times. Perhaps even the Saturday Guardian, too. Uh, do they still
2: do that on a Saturday? Do they bother with the Guardian?
1: They do, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um, think it costs about
2: six quid now. But also, it, the whole thing was just a bit muddled. The, um, uh, this is a serious and escalating problem, but we, it's also diminishing because we've called in all these... The, I mean, the other interesting, really interesting question is, he talked about 30 more hotels, 4,500 more beds as a result, as ordered by the Home Secretary. There's an interesting question as to which Home Secretary is responsible for that. Is it Home Secretary Swalba Home Secretary Swalibra number one who's accused of not procuring hotels? Is it Home Secretary Grant Shapps, the supply teacher, the supply teacher there for six days, who supposedly was you know uh, uh, pressed into acting and did act, uh, or is it Home Secretary Swalba number two? Well, you know if you
1: if you read Matt Dayton our Home Affairs editor's output, there was a line in a recent story of his uh in which a a Whitehall source or a home office source said that grant Shapps had achieved more to solve this problem in six days than sweller bradman, bradman had in what, you six know, weeks six weeks was that was it in, in, in six weeks so i think you know i think you can give credit to grant
2: Shapps where its due here oh, well there we are so uh what well, we've got to uh, number six let's have a look at what some of you are saying on the uh on the youtube's uh lay um uh, lots of people saying that it was a good question. It required a specific number. Sinat responds with blathering shouting. He can't even answer a factual question. Uh, and then somebody, Terry says, for God's sake, Stum, we all know how many asylum claims have not been processed. Waste of another question. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I think asking a question which Rishi Sinat doesn't answer then pointing out it's only 4%. Quite a funny line as well about how uh, Swalabhava's got more chance of becoming the next Tory leader than she has of processing an <laughs> asylum claim is also quite nice. Uh, right, let's go back to the House of Commons. This is the last question, uh, PMQ's unpacked from Keir Starmer. Question number six.
5: Uh, Mr Speaker, he talks about my time as Director of Public Prosecutions. I prosecuted people smugglers. Yeah. He can't even get an asylum claim processed. Yeah. I think the answer to the question whether the Home Secretary received legal advice to move people out of Musden is yes. Yeah. He just hasn't got the guts to say it. Yeah. He did a grubby deal with her, yeah. putting her in charge of Britain's security yeah. just so he could dodge an election. Yeah. She's broken the ministerial code, lost control of a refugee centre, and put our security at risk. Yeah. She did get one thing right. She finally admitted that the Tories have broken the asylum system. Yeah. Criminal gangs running amok thousands crossing the Channel in small boats every week. Hardly any claims processed. So why doesn't he get a proper Home Secretary, scrap the Rwanda gimmick, crack down on smuggling gangs, end the small boat crossings, speed up asylum claims and agree an international deal on refugee? Start governing for once and get a (laughs) grip.
0: Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker. Right, the right honourable gentleman
5: front rules. Can we just calm it
0: down a little? I do want to hear the replies. You're covering your mouth is not helpful to me or you. Come on, Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, the right honourable gentleman rightly raised the topic of national security. Because it is important But this is the person this is the person who in twenty nineteen told the BBC and I quote, I do think Jeremy Corbyn would make a great Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, let's remember that national security agenda. Abolishing our armed forces, scrapping the nuclear deterrent, withdrawing from NATO, voting against every single anti-terror law we try, befriending Hamas and Hezbollah. He may want to forget about it, but we will remind him of it every week because there's the Conservative government that will keep this country safe. Yeah.
2: Wowzers. Wowzers, wowzers, wowzers. quite a lot uh Quite a lot to unpack there. So uh, some people pointing out on the YouTube channel, uh, Patrick, that, that, that list there by the end from Keir Starmer was basically a Labour plan. I mean, there were interesting questions about exactly how you do that, but uh, drop the Rwanda gimmick, stop the small boats crossing, crack down on gangs, process more claims. That, that was a shopping list of things that the government isn't doing.
1: Yes, uh, and obviously the is by which you do those things, particularly uh, stop the boats and process more claims the devil is in that detail but as you say is a checklist of things on which the government has incontrovertibly failed and um, what le- the labor party would claim to do better it's a very pithy you know you can fit that on the, one of on a tony blair's it, pledge card you could can't put it you? on a pledge
2: card you could put it on a pledge card. and it's the sort of thing that if you did do that people would look at it and think well that looks like a plan yeah you know you can get into the the weeds of whether or not it actually work and the details of it but it's a uh, as it is, and then in response, and also it's all
1: stuff you can you can say with a straight face with Labour Party and say we're not bleeding heart lefties, right? Yeah. You say, well, look, we don't, we don't want to waste money on the Rwanda plan plan. It's not worth plan. That's uh, <laughs> that sounds delicious. Uh, that's uh, that's not uh, that's not fiscally credible. It's not working. What a waste of money. this, yeah. this
2: profligate lot. Uh, and then the rest of it is all, you know, tough on borders. What well, is interesting, actually, Keir Starra talked about was £140 million pounds being spent on the Rwanda plan. That's three times what they're currently spending on hotels. So, you know, just to put it into the context... And not a single flight and says, not a single flight has taken off, despite it being uh Swela Braverman's dream. And then the flip side, the response from uh, Rishi Sunak, reaching for Jeremy Corbyn. And he says, we will remind him every week. Is that going to work, do you think, as the, the biographer of the Corbyn years? <laughs> uh
1: Look, the short answer is I think the salience of, salience of Jeremy Corbyn decreases every, with every passing week, especially with every passing week of the government uh, being seen to behave in the chaotic way that it has done. Um, the interesting question will be whether Labour can neutralise those attacks at an election by having plans that deal with Corbyn's Achilles heel, which is to say security, um, Brexit, the economy, and stuff like immigration. Not that Corbyn's policy platforms were necessarily all sort of died in the wool hard left on
2: this stuff. It was because of the perception, What's what um, the, the Times column on Monday called the vibe of Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, also, um, Keir Starmer, the next election, say, I've kicked him out of the party. Yes. He's not even standing as a Labour MP. I kicked him out of the party, look at my platform,
1: uh... You know, we've got rid of it's what, and and I think that they he's done that phase pretty successfully. It's what his aides call they've got the barnacles off the boat. You know, they've they've got rid of Jeremy Corbyn. They've moved away from his positions on national security. They're in the process of doing so on the economy, and that means it'll be trickier. It'll be tricky beyond the attack lines.
2: And also in twenty nineteen, which is in that Boris Johnson, it's not a hugely popular position either with the with the with the general public. You know, if you're going to keep going back and back and back. Um, but I, I, I fear we may have settled into the the new the new normal of uh, well, it's, well, it's two Rishi Sunak's men, responses. It, it, it's two uh, straight-laced men shouting at cross purposes. Yeah, we need we need, we need a bit of t- a pitch modulation, don't we? That, that sort of one, Rishi Sunak being very shouty is a bit much.
1: Yeah, I, I, I but I, it, it, it's a, it's not, it's a not ineffective parliamentary style. Because it means your party is united behind you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's it, quite wisely he's not staked out divisive positions in either of these sessions of PMQs that will result in yeah. the parliamentary party
2: doing any, anything but whooping and hollering behind him. That's so all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, ten till one on Times Radio, and we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from.